show is about to begin. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Truth, Lies, Shenanigans. I'm Neil Nix, and today we have great reason to be hopeful. One of the worst chapters in our country's history of civil rights is coming to a close as Derek Chauvin, the police officer who kneeled on the neck of George Floyd, choking his life away for over nine minutes, was finally convicted yesterday. We're going to talk about this in depth in Hot Topics, but also in the show, we have guests, a guest for you today. Uh, we're going to talk to real estate agent, one of Washington, D.C. region's top real estate agents, Tasha Green Coleman, will join the show, answering questions about buying and selling homes in this COVID market and much more. Our game today will be five second guests, five second guests. So it should be a lot of fun. So before we get into the show, let me introduce you to our hosts, our professor, writer, editor, journalist out of Washington, D.C., Miss Lizzie Enders. What's up? What's up, everyone? I'm very sleepy Newman this evening, this Wednesday evening, but I'm here. I'm ready to get into hot topics. I'm ready to make fun of Neo. All of the <laughs> as always, as always, and our rock star with the rock band Fallen Machine, and coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Robbie Rock. <laughs> oh, what's up? What's up, everyone? Happy Hump Day! Yeah, I'm feeling the cobwebs too, Liz. Uh, the signs of spring are definitely around because the cat is up with the birds at the crack of dawn, letting us know. <laughs> right? <laughs> that it wants to play <laughs> but now other than that things are good things are good finally joe jose and i are finally registered for our covid shots so we're on the waiting list and dad's getting his first one on friday so yes very exciting all right and streaming from atlanta georgia kylie sued model actress co-host of truth lies shenanigans unscripted miss gianni storm <laughs> Hey guys, um, happy, happy hump day, happy hump day. It, like Liz said, like Rob said, it's very sleepy over here. I actually did some spring cleaning late, late spring cleaning. So I'm a little tired today, but at least I got something accomplished, something that needed to be accomplished. I was like, we're all tired today. <laughs> Long day for yeah. me too. So. We're still going to make it a fun show. We're still going to make it a fun show. And remind people when and oh, where they can watch you on TLS Unscripted. You can watch me and the beautiful Olivia E. on Instagram Fridays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Unscripted. All right. Let's start things right off with our quick fire question. All right. Yahoo News reports scientists have successfully grown a chimera, creating embryos containing a combination of monkey and human cells. Are you ready for real-life Planet of the Apes? <laughs> Robbie Rock. I'm ready for some new Dolce and Banana threads, but I can't handle another Trumpanzee. <laughs> a Trumpanzee. <laughs> 
Gianni. That was a good one. What about you? No, I think science just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Yeah. I'm not ready. No. (laughs) No. That's all. You're not doing it. I say it's nothing wrong with monkeys, but uh, I'd rather be a real life Batman or something. Give me some wings. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be a Batman hybrid? Hook me up. So are you guys okay with uh, mixing humans with animal DNA? No. I think think of some of the applications. If we think of our war veterans, for example, or anyone that's come back or who's lost a limb or anything, if we were able to splice in uh, some kind of starfish DNA or some kind of amphibian DNA where they could actually regenerate a limb, that would be something incredible for the human species. And I don't know, I'm That's thinking a prehensile tail and feet would be kind of, like, I mean, that'd be amazing. I'd love climbing stuff. So yeah, give me the monkey feet. <laughs> you can just be um, one of those cosplayers. They have like the tail and the, and the you can do it for fate. <laughs> for fate. Yeah, see, that's not going to help me climb. That's going to help me fall. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. There's no benefit in it. So Liz, you know, no, you're clearly not no. feeling this. No, can we just leave well enough alone? Like if I'm gonna sit up here and judge, you know, the Kardashians for having fake asses, fake lips, fake boobs, fake everything on their bodies because they are injecting themselves and going on their life, then why would I agree to this? Like I like being a human. I like being a human. I don't need any extra species added to my DNA. What I do need is a new pancreas, so I no longer have diabetes. But other than See? that, they said organ pan- transplant. Human pancreas. Oh, human. Okay. But human pancreas. <laughs> they learn. They learn a lot from mixing all these human no, and, and genetic no. cells. Have you guys not seen the movie The Fly? <laughs> We're not talking teleportation here. <laughs> Whatever. It was too great mix. And it was some nasty nonsense, especially the second scene. Ew. 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 You guys are silly. Ew. <laughs> All right. All right. So if you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a little bit about us. Our hosts and our guests share their truths and opinions with you. Call out those lies and point out any of the shenanigans that are going on out there. And on this show, we always try to have some fun with some shenanigans of our own. The show does stream live just about everywhere, including YouTube. Uh, just go to TLS, www.tlsshow.com or search TLS at TLS Live Show. And you can listen to Truth Live Shenanigans anytime on iTunes, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Okay, guys, it is time for our guest. All right, our guest is real estate agent and CEO of Homes by Tasha, Tasha Green Coleman. Welcome, Tasha. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Welcome. Oh my gosh, it's going well. I'm I'm excited to be here with all of you guys. You got all that bling going on. Look at that bling. That's what I'm talking about. Listings, million dollar listings. All right, let me introduce you to Tasha. Tasha Green Coleman is the founder and CEO of Tasha Homes by Tasha, 
She's a Washington, D.C. native and has been a real estate agent uh, professional for the past 15 years with a degree in business administration from University of Maryland Eastern Shore. She's a former real estate coach. She serves on the Agent Leadership Council of her office, consistently on the top one of the top producers of her region. She was featured as a boss mom just this past year in Real Producers Magazine and was the number one agent out of over 5,000 agents in the region. And Natasha is not serving clients. She'll find her with her husband, four, four beautiful daughters, and two kitties. <laughs> Lizzie, I like that. Uh, because of her journey with her 12-year-old daughter, a seven-year childhood cancer survivor, Tasha is wow. now a proud volunteer wish grantor for the Mid-Atlantic region of the Make-A-Wish Foundation and an avid donor and activist for childhood cancer research. Tasha Coleman, Very nice. thank you. We thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, so let me, my first question to you, ask everyone, tell me, well, you can tell me more about yourself, but tell me just something that we can't go on Google right now and just find out about you. Tell me something. Oh my gosh. Ooh, that's always a fun question. Um, you know, something <laughs> you can't find out on Google about me, I love to, um, well, you probably, you may, you may be able to find this on Instagram. My happy place is being somewhere in the Caribbean or just somewhere near beach. Um, if if it were up to me, that's where I'd be right now. So I aspire to like travel, um, honestly, every month or every other month if I could. And um, and one other like weird fact about me, um, people in my office kind of know this, but to give myself um, energy or whenever life gets a little bit crazy, I just I just do a little shimmy, and it just <laughs> Brings me back to there you go. Know, nice. Life. I've, I've been known to just send me around the office and um, you know just make everybody <laughs> laugh. <and> just <laughs> it gives me energy. And it, it takes the heaviness off of life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like so that. So I, I just want to tell everyone. So doing that. <laughs> full disclosure: Tasha Green Coleman is my real estate agent. She <laughs> helped me working with my uh, my grandmother's estate, getting a house sold. Man, and I have to tell you, this is one of the hardest working real estate agents I have ever seen in my life. Because <laughs> she, to tell you that we didn't have a very difficult situation, it was a very, very difficult situation. And man, you should have asked me first about having him as three a years. We've been working on this, and Tasha <laughs> been Liz, right there. I, I would have given I'm you. A, I am not that bad. One. <laughs> One, one, trust me, but yeah, and she's very knowledgeable. Right. She, she knows a lot. So I just, I thank you for that. But I just want to let, let everyone know that uh, she's extremely well qualified. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so let me ask you my first question, Tasha. Um, what I'd like to know, you know, right now we're, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And I know last year was a really tough year. Um, and, you know, the market, you know, I don't know what the market's done, but um, I know it had to have been different than anything else you've dealt with. Um, so tell us what it's like in the market now dealing with COVID, you know, even some of the restrictions that you've had to deal with. Okay. Before I tell you how the market is now, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of how it was this, this exact time last year, right? Okay. So last year, um, 
April of 2020, um, it, it was a little tough, right? We weren't sure if we were gonna be able to even continue to, to work. So, and then we're out here, once we got the clearance and we're considered essential, we're out here with people that actually need to buy and sell and there's a mysterious virus out here. So what I'll say is as an industry, real estate agents, um, we did a really great job just kind of shifting. So what that looked like last year was a lot of our meetings went to um, virtual. So instead of meeting buyers and sellers for the first time face-to-face, -face, um, we were hopping on Zoom like everybody else, right? Um, instead, you know, we had some clients that um, decided to pause their search out of fear and we completely respected that. But for the most part, guys, um, I would say out of all the clients um, I was working with pre-pandemic, um, everybody like there was only one person that decided not to move forward with her plans because she was, um, I think she was like 70-ish years old. But for the most part, my clients were like, I still got to move. Let's just find a different way to do this. So what we did was we leaned more on things like virtual floor plans, um, you know, Matterport tours where you kind of, it looks like a dollhouse. Um, you can rotate mm -hmm. the views. Um, you know, we just shifted the way, the way we showed home. So we, um, even to this day, we're mostly social distancing, okay. um, which makes it a little more challenging, um, you know, to schedule and view homes. But for the most part, we just relied on, um, you know, a lot of virtual tools and, um, you know, mask gloves and, you know, just a lot of extra safety protocols. Now, I'll get to the shenanigans. Let's hear some shenanigans. <laughs> I love shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> the shenanigans is the current market. I, I, I was telling um, Neo earlier, if there's a real estate agent in your world, check on that agent. We're, we're absolutely not okay. We're in one of the strongest seller markets I've seen um, in 15 years. And what that looks like, I've had probably five cases of submitting offers for my buyers um, here in the area, and th they were competing against 30 and 40 other buyers. Wow. Ooh. Okay. Wow. So that's what the market's looking like. As a matter of fact, to give you a little more context, remember back in 2020 when um, it was really difficult to find toilet tissue? Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. <laughs> right this time. So that's what it that's what it's like buying a house right now. <laughs> wow. So it's hard to find houses. Wow. So the inventory is that low. Yeah, the inventory is so low. Up on that. Yeah, yeah. So is it that people are looking to get out of their apartments and just have more space, given that we're in the midst of a pandemic and we have a lot of these restrictions? So that's a that's actually a, a key part of it. So the inventory is still fairly low, and it, it's been that way for years pre-pandemic. Um, there's a good certain, a good number of buyers. Interest rates are still really, really great and low, right? And then I'll tell you uh, one of the big ahas that most people had, and I'm sure somebody in here can can relate. The house that you thought was sufficient, when you had to be locked in your house day in and day out oh, with you realize, three, you realize quick. four, five other people and animals, yeah. you realize what the home I thought was home. It just doesn't work anymore. Like I know at one point, my my our cats were looking at us like, "What the hell? Like, you, why are y'all still here? <laughs> Leave it." Um, so we're seeing, um, like I know personally, I, I I 
got calls from clients that were in their home three, four years. And they say, you know what? We thought this house worked, but now that we have three kids here, virtual schooling, um, now that I have to be with my spouse um, all day, every day, um, <laughs> something's got to get, we have to get more space. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's honestly a big part of it. Your, the house that worked, um, you know, then just doesn't work now. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lizzie. So I am, so I am a renter. I've been renting. Um, I've only been back in DC for two years. And when I moved from New York, I'd been in New York for 21 years. Um, when I moved back down, the, the best option for me at that time, because I moved like within a split second, I kept saying, you know, you know what, you're in DC every month, at least twice a month, just move. And this particular building, it's a new building, um, great incentives to move in, just go down there and, you know, find something to buy the year after. Stay there for a year, find something to buy a year after. Um, and then pandemic hit. Mm. And then actually before the pandemic hit, you know, when I came down, I had issues with my new job down here that wasn't paying me for nine weeks. And so that set me back and took a lot of my, my savings for my very expensive apartment. And so now I'm back to trying to um, replenish my savings and get myself back into a position when I can buy. And so mm -hmm. what is your to someone who is kind of starting over and is low on cash for the moment. Like what are the options for those of us who still want to buy, but it's not as, you know, our bank accounts aren't as lucrative as they were even two years ago. Like when I moved down years ago, you know, I was fine. No debt, credit score, you know, shopping all day, every day. And now had a lot of disposable income. And now it's just like, okay, I have to catch up to myself so I can get back into a position. So what are the options for someone like myself? Who and I is know still the rents down there in the waterfront. They're expensive. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I know listen, she can she can afford a house with the rent she's paying. Yeah. And, and honestly, go, go to be able to afford a house, you have to have a down payment for a house. And again, I had to use a lot of my savings to pay for income that I wasn't I getting. Like so I feel like I'm stuck. Like, yeah, I can afford to live in my apartment right now. But if I, and listen, I look for houses every day. I'm on Redfin, Realtor.com every single day. But I'm just like, you know, it's that initial down payment. And I would be a first time buyer. So what would be your advice to someone like me? And I typically don't necessarily want um, a standalone single family home, even though I grew up in a single family home, I'm kind of used to having a concierge, an elevator, amenities. So I would most likely want a condo, a nice condo, spacious condo. So what would your advice be to someone like me who is kind of like, okay, I need to start over, but I want to do this. All right, let's hear what she says. Okay. The first thing I'll say is a common myth is that um, you need a lot of money in terms of an actual down payment, right? Like um, there was a point where 20% down was um, like, that was the standard. Um, that's not, that's no longer the case. It's not even 10%. Um, in a lot of cases, home buyers are buying homes with 3% and three and a half percent down, right? Um, what I'll tell you before 
we entered the market that we were in, I would say as a first time buyer, don't worry about not having funds for down payment. Um, there are programs um, where you can borrow the down payment. Um, usually it's like a, a silent second or 0% interest to borrow that money. There's a, a trade-off with a slightly higher interest rate, but even then it was a great option. What I'll tell you now, in general, the way the market is right now, um, right now sellers are getting on average throughout the DC metro area, 101% of what they're asking for in sales price. Um, as a matter of fact, and 101%, that's on average. When we zero into places like Falls Church in Northern Virginia, um, Prince George's in Montgomery, it's 104% for Northern Virginia and 102% for Prince George's in Montgomery. What has changed with this particular market? Because you're typically competing against um, more buyers than usual, we're seeing the prices really escalate. And unlike what happened back in like 2005, 2006, um, the market's just changing. The market's looking a little bit different. So. Um, when the appraisals aren't happening or the, appra the appraisals aren't in line, the buyers are actually bringing additional money and waiving appraisals. So you're no longer in this market realistically. And, and I'm having these tough conversations with my buyers. Um, you're no longer a favorable buyer competing against 20, 30, sometimes 40 other people if you need down payment assistance right? or, or closing cost assistance, right? Mm -hmm. um, Quite frankly, what we're telling buyers, and we don't make the market, we just interpret it, right? Let's just this say you're looking at a four hundred. Right yeah, you're. If you're looking for a four hundred thousand dollar property, we're telling our buyers you probably need to look in the range of three. Like if that's your price range, you really want to be looking at three fifty to maybe three seventy five at the max, because mm -hmm. buyers, honestly, they're they're paying more. For properties and in a lot of cases um, we're seeing people waive inspections altogether again um, we're seeing people waive appraisals um, I'll tell you I saw an instance this week where the appraisal came in it's a $19,000 gap between the sales price and the appraisal and guess what the buyer said I want this house she's paying an extra 20 grand to get into the property wow. um, However, Lizzie, one beautiful thing that is happened that I can say for you, all of the markets, um, like that's the market in general. What I am seeing is um, a slight balancing out of the condo market in DC. So there's a little more opportunity um, in the condo market, um, specifically in DC. So um, there's there's significantly less competition for buying a condo in Washington DC versus a row home um, in DC or um, a single family or townhome in Montgomery County, Howard, Prince George's or anywhere or anywhere else. Yeah. And DC, DC is the operative word because I born and raised here. I, I think 99% of my being will stay in DC for the rest of my life. I am not interested in moving to Maryland to Virginia. I'm a DC I'm girl. In Maryland. Um, that was wonderful. Especially <laughs> I love Mary. That's nobody asked you though. You have a house. That's what we're talking about. Me. <laughs> and so also I'm single and not gonna be not single anytime soon. So I don't want the responsibility 
of taking care of a house. Yeah, growing up in a house, I had a father and two brothers in the home. It's just mm-hmm. me and my cat. And I don't want the responsibility of taking care of all of the household nicks and naps. So the best option for me would be a nice condo similar to what I have right now. Um, and so I'm just, I feel like I, there's a lot of pressure, I think. Um, and Gianni, you might see this as you get older, but there's a lot of pressure from your friends and your peers. If you are a renter, oh, yeah. well, why haven't you bought anything? Yeah. Oh, you need to keep wasting money. And I'm like, you need to not be in my pocket. I'm doing what's best for me, what's comfortable yeah. for me right now. And do mm-hmm. I want to rent forever? Absolutely not. But I appreciate, you know, as a realtor that you are making me think about some things that I really didn't mm-hmm. think about before. You know, for it being a buyer's market or well, some of the advantages or stuff, whatever. whatever. Um, but thinking about, <laughs> you know, what is I have, because I do always think now about the down payment. That's the first mm-hmm. thing that comes to mind. down payment. Okay, so I need, ooh, this property costs like six ninety five. so I need carry the one. Okay, yeah, I don't have much. All right, before, before I get to well, the rest of my advice to you, just, you know, just continue to save money. And, and guess what? Sometimes you have to, um, you know, think outside the box. Um, you are able to use like a TSP or 401k, borrow against your 401k, if, if that's what you choose to do, right? Um, and again, like it's 3% versus um, what most people think at, at 20%. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with renting if that's the right situation for you. But, um, you know, definitely just kind of keep that that in mind. Um, home ownership is, um, it, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's wealth building. All right. Um, before I get to my other, other hosts, so uh, I'm going to the comments online. So, uh... Mike Winter said, Bam, ain't nobody moving to the burbs, Nia. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wants to move to the suburbs. It's true. It's true. Suburbs, you know, good for you. I'm a a city girl and I don't drive. I have no license. Oh, oh, my metro station is like three blocks away. I'm I'm good. (laughs) But that's what a lot of people started doing too. Um, Lizzie, I don't know if you saw in New York, they were talking about how um, a lot of people were fleeing. Um, you know, the the overpriced places in the city and moving into the suburbs of Jersey post COVID. So yeah. Yeah. And so Tasha, I live we're moving back to see, I lived in New York for twenty one years. And I purposely didn't buy when I had the money in in New York because you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for a box. Like yeah. I lived yeah. in a box before I moved back down here. And I just couldn't justify that. At least here, even with my rental here, I have a lot of room. So that's a plus for me. All right. Um, so we do have a large uh, contingent in Canada, thanks to Robbie. But some of these questions are coming from Canada. In Ontario, it's a seller's market. Homes are going for 30% above asking price. Everyone thought Ooh. that the pandemic would cause a downturn in the market, but that has not been the case. Actually, I'm thinking the same thing here. Um, Sherry Brain Police Priest said, uh, looking for a new place recently. Southwestern Ontario, Canada, and the price tag on places rural even more than I um, even more than I already am paying, I think it says, have exploded. And uh, we have put a pause on our efforts now unless I have millions to spend for property. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, even the house that we were selling sold for way more than we expected to get for it. Um, 
And look at the difference in the time frame from when, when we first listed. We could see a significant increase in value over what a six to nine month period, right, yeah. Antonio? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a big difference. Um, yeah. Let's see, Mike Winter. She knows all about somebody's program from someone who's been doing real estate finance for almost twenty years. Mike Winter says a mini. Uh, Jacqueline Robinson says, uh, uh, "Let's see, a minis, a minis, a minis. That's the difference for the price difference." Um, okay, so let's move on to Robbie Rock. Any questions? Um, We're running out of time, by the well, way. So go ahead. Yeah, it, I, actually, this is really not in the real estate vein of things. Just when you were talking about uh, the Make a Wish uh, work that you do, that really struck a chord with me. And so I'm, I'm very curious. You know, what is, what, what do you do? What's the most fulfilling aspect of the work that you do for Make a Wish? Oh man, don't have Rob. Please don't have me in here crying. So um, I literally, That's good try. <laughs> I literally just got accepted as um, a Make a Wish wish grantor. So if anybody's not familiar with this organization, um, Make a Wish is it's actually a national organization. Um, and their focus is granting wishes, very specific wishes to critically ill children. And um, my, we were recipient of Make-A-Wish. My daughter had brain cancer when she was four. And um, when she was about eight years old and she recovered from her treatment, um, we were granted a Make-A-Wish and they sent our entire family to Disney World and a village called Give Kids the World. And it was, um, it was one of the most amazing experiences um, that my family's had. And it really kind of offset all of the kind of trauma that, you know, we had to endure during her, her cancer treatment. So it's, a, it's an organization that's very near and dear to me. Um, Robbie, I look, I'm so looking forward to having my first um, wish kid. Um, I'm going to go all out. And um, I'm a little nervous. I can, I can because it's, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm a little nervous because in a lot of cases, um, the kids pass away, like after the wish is granted. So honestly, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm so passionate about um, anything related to childhood cancer. And I'm, I'm so glad you you brought that up. And um, it's it's such a great organization. And um, I, I love to shine a light on them any opportunity I get. So thank you for bringing that up. That made me really happy. <laughs> Good question, Robbie. All right, Gianni Storm. That's Top that, Giovanni. <laughs> Top that. I know. <laughs> um, well, I just want to say congratulations that your daughter is healed. It's, it's very um, admirable that you that you're taking your time to you know, be a wish founder. That's beautiful. Um, Thank you so. Sorry. I wanted to know, for me personally, this is something I've always wanted to do. Um, do you think this is a a good idea to get a fixer upper home and make it into your dream or make it into something? Great question. Um, I, I think so. It, it depends on who you are and, and what your goals are. Um, the one thing I'll tell you here when it comes to um, properties that are fixer uppers, we have a pretty large pool of investors and flippers. So again, in this particular market, it's about acquiring the property however yeah. if you have the means to purchase um a fixer-upper i think it's a beautiful thing you do have to ask yourself some questions do you honestly have the time resources and energy to commit to 
um, fixing the property up and making it your own. But um, always a I think, yeah, I think it's a glorious thing. Um, it, it's a transformation, right? And most people love a good transformation. And um, you really fall in love with a property when you um, fix it up or if you yeah. build a home completely from scratch. I find that there's a deeper attachment um, to properties that you fix up or buy brand new. Absolutely. I think if you can, absolutely. I'll be honest. I've done both. And who did you prefer to know? So I've done both. I did a fixer upper and it wasn't a big fix, uh, not a huge fixer upper, but there were some things I I needed to change. Like that, I did bathrooms, I did kitchen, I did a bunch of things, uh, flooring throughout. um, And it is very time consuming. Yeah. I mean, I got started with the project and I was like, okay, I, I can do this, I can do this. And then you, you start to hit snags and then, you know, work gets in the way and then other things get in the way and you start to see the project sitting down waiting and you're like, okay, I got to get back to that. And then it, it can be very <laughs> time consuming. Um, HGTV makes it look itself. easy. Do not HGTV know. tells you you could do it in 30. <laughs> no, that is not reality. I want house hunters and you know, they always have these couples one wants a move-in ready, a turnkey place. The other wants a fixer-upper. And it's always this back and forth. And to me, every time someone says fixer-upper, it's like kryptonite. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, no I want to move myself and sit down. I'll admit so, yeah, to, being, but- to, to loving what I did with the home. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I did, once it was done, once, once it was done, it was great. I mean, even the thing... You know, even in the home I did now, which was moving ready, uh, we've done some fixing. And, you know, I, I love all the improve. Every time I make an, we make an improvement, it's a great thing. We love it. Um, so it does make the home more yours, which is great. It does. Yeah. But, the same but it sounds time, like you have some regrets. It sounds like you almost changed your mind midway, but you couldn't. You had to keep going, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, yes. I, I just, I, yeah. I, I've come to the conclusion I don't <laughs> like projects anymore, so I'm good. You <laughs> have to be committed. <laughs> Yeah, you know yourself, Donnie. Yeah, you have to be committed. You have to know yourself and know um, if that's if that's going to overwhelm you. Because I know me, like I moved into this house in 2006, and I had all these plans, and we were fixing up the basement. The basement's still unfinished. Okay, so you have to know um, know who you are and and know your level of commitment, and if that's fun. And don't go off HGTV. I'll tell you a secret. Real just hate (laughs) HGTV. Like I throw stuff at the. I don't watch that. It's garbage. It's it's unrealistic. Okay. It's fake. It's like reality. It's just unrealistic in the sense that it's it's not as easy as it looks. It's entertainment. It's glossed up. It's glossed up. Yeah. All right. And also, I think a lot of it, when you just said fake, I think some of it is fake because some of these properties I look at, I'm like, you mean to tell me you chose that jalopy of a house for all that money? Jalopy. That's a new word. Yeah, jalopy. It's, it's questionable for sure. I've heard you use that word before. Yeah. All right. Um, one question. This will be the last question. So um, in the Black community, often we don't teach nor set uh, credit or generational wealth for our children. Uh, can you tell, this is from Olivia E, by the way, can you tell us some tips for average people to set up or teach these things? Like, can we open credit cards in their names, add names, real estate, it's, add names 
our children's names to the real estate, et cetera, things that we can do to set up generational wealth. And, um, you know, yeah, so answer that as best you can, but, you know, we'd love to have you back to go in more detail about stuff like that. Okay, absolutely. Uh-oh, hang on. My, my computer just did something weird. Okay. Uh-oh. Can you see me? Uh, nope. Yeah, we still yeah. have you. Oh, uh -oh. You. So You're visibly there, but it's hard to see you. I thought you were going to say Mio said no. <laughs> yeah, that's much better. All right. So I would say it starts with, yeah, my, my charger just did something weird. Oh, I would yeah, say no, it starts with um, with the conversations that we have, right? Um, one thing that I'll tell you, like we start we we're we have our oldest are 18 year old twins so we're starting to really have conversations and, and if i would if i were to think about it we would have done it a little bit earlier about um here's some of the household bills or you know when you're throwing away this or throwing away that um you know i'll show them a receipt this is what the grocery bill is this week um so i think it's important that we just start to talk about um, you know, wealth and wealth building, um, start to really, one thing that, another thing that we also do is we actually have a wealth plan, right? We start to think about um, saving, right? Cred um, we, we talk to our kids about credit. It, it, to me, it really starts about the conversations that you have in your household. Start to talk early, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about credit. I'll tell my kids all the time. Um, I, when I got out of college, I didn't have a car, but I had three or four gas credit cards, right? So these are the, no one taught me about that. So it's just having those conversations about why credit's important, right? How hard it is to rebuild when you're um, out of college with no job or a low paying job, mm -hmm. right? So it's just, it starts to me with just having those conversations um, and then, you know, modeling what you want them to do, right? So we, we talk about, it took me a long time to, um talk about budgeting but now we have a budget right so these are things that we talk about yeah, yeah i think that's really important mm -hmm. because that's that's one of the things that um, i know growing up i had no idea about the benefits of credit debt i had no idea about building uh wealth uh, you know investing none of that my, my family didn't talk to me about that but you know yeah. other people's homes you know that that's the daily conversation you go you talk about you know, how much money, you know, how's your business going? You know, are you trying to, yeah, that stuff goes on at the dinner table in, in, in other, you know, communities, but my home, yeah. nothing like that. But it wasn't my parents' fault because not only did their parents not do that, but they didn't know the, the knowledge they didn't. wasn't there. So, right. I mean, we couldn't have those conversations because there wasn't any knowledge in the family. So, right. Um, One thing I'll recommend, yeah, and in the community as well. One thing I'll recommend. Um, they're going to be, my 18 year old is going to be really upset with me, but I, um, in my Amazon card, it's the book, rich dad, poor dad, right? Yeah. It starts with education, mm -hmm. get the book, rich dad, poor dad, give it to, um, the young people in your, if you haven't read it, get it yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, give it to the young people in your world. Like I know I, I'm pretty sure I've read that at 19 or 20 years old and it started to shape, um, just how I thought about um you know business and money so it, it's literally just a matter of and, and, and honestly there are other cultures that they talk about wealth they learn about wealth strategies they learn about um tax sheltering legally right um they learn about um retirement it, so 
having the conversations and educating themselves. And there's tons of amazing things out here. And I do have clients that are in programs like Dave Ramsey, and I'm seeing a lot of buyers do 15-year mortgages versus 30, 30 years. So it's just a matter of having those conversations and educating yourself. So make sure to get that book, Rich That Poor Dad. Yeah, great book, great book. Yeah. All right, that is all the time we have, but I do want to give you a minute just to close out, say any final words, and then, of course, tell people where they can find you, where they can find more information, where they can get in touch with you. Um, I'm going to leave the floor to you. All right. Um, so one thing I'll say is um, one thing I want to touch on is at the end of 2020, there were almost um, 3 million Americans who had their mortgages in forbearance. So, um, you know, that's another thing that we really need to focus on and talk about. I'm a little, I won't say worried, but concerned about what's going to happen once the eviction and foreclosure mor moratoriums um, and, you know, they're still, you know, we're in an area where we're really fortunate, Robbie, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you, it's probably the same thing. Um, you know, most people are doing well here in the D.C. area, but there are some people that aren't. So just lean on anybody in your world. Check in on people to make sure they're doing OK emotionally, yeah. financially. So, you know, that's just one thing that that that's kind of always on my mind. We expect a slew of maybe foreclosures and short sales within the next few years. And um, I'm hoping people won't be too embarrassed to reach out for help. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Tasha Realtor. Um, Facebook, Tasha to buy, sell, number two, buy, sell, or rent.com. Um, and, you know, you want to email me, Latasha, L-A-T-A-S-H-A at kw.com. I'm always available um, for questions, insight, consultations. Um, I love real estate. Awesome. I love helping people build wealth for their families. Yeah, and let me tell you again, great real estate agent. So um, thank you again, Tasha, for joining us. And again, we're going to try to get you back, see if we can, maybe we can make this a regular thing. See what we can do. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. And awesome. back, we'll talk about some celebrity yeah. real estate. I love. Oh, there um, we go. I love that. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank we'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you, All right. Great guests there. Great guests. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of good tips, a lot of good things to think about for both people who are still looking, you know, to buy um, first time buyers, but also people who want to expand, you know, in their real estate. So. Good advice. Good advice. I think that was the I think that was the surprising part for me because I I know that real estate did really didn't let up, but I hadn't really thought of that. If someone's living in a home and now the living conditions have changed, when you have everyone in your family working, learning within the household, yeah, it's not just a, a hub for eating and sleeping anymore. This is this is a home base. So <laughs> if you're not yeah, equipped I mean, for it, yeah, then you're stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. yeah you're working, you're yeah. at your school now. Yeah, it's everything. Yep. Kennel. <laughs> All right. Right. <laughs> Let's move on to our hot topics. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right. Every show, our hosts bring you hot topics they want to share. We'll ask them, is it truth, lies, or shenanigans? Our panel will talk about it for a bit until our time is up. And then we'll go to our audience for any questions or comments. And of course, you've been commenting away already, so we'll be keeping an eye on more comments as we talk about this topic, since we only have one 
hot topic for today. Derek Chauvin, killer of George Floyd, finally, finally found guilty on all three counts. Let's roll the tape. Let's roll the tape. County of Hennepin, State of Minnesota plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, defendant. Verdict count one, unintentional second degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. Third degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. Verdict count three, second degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.45 p.m. Handcuffs. We're adjourned. Adjourn, take him out in handcuffs. That's what I'm talking about. So, my question to you guys, what was your initial feelings or thoughts when you saw the verdict? I mean, because it came suddenly. You know, I know they went to deliberate, and then all of a sudden we got a um, a verdict like 10 hours later, the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they came back pretty quickly. Um, let's start with Robbie Rock. What was your what were your feelings? Um well, my Joe and I were preparing dinner. We were just putting around in the kitchen. Then, when they started the deliberations, when they started when the, the uh, judge started speaking and uh, just laying down the sentence, it was um, I, I, I was holding my breath with each and every charge that was being laid, and I was just kind of like, "Okay, good, guilty. Okay, good, guilty." And then with the third guilty, then it's just kind of like, okay, there's a, there was a sense of relief that justice was served. Um, doesn't change anything. And it, like you alluded to earlier, just hope um, that this would be a catalyst for a lot of change in U.S. society and as far as their policing structure, their how, how people are policed, period. So it, uh, it was definitely some relief because... Uh, I'm, you know me, I'm a math guy. So yep. <laughs> it's either guilty or not guilty. And when my mind kind of trailed off into the not guilty realm of things, I Very. completely lost my train of thought. I just kind of became that lost in that scary. little bubble and had to look over at my wife and I was like, what was I doing? You were, you were getting a light bulb. <gasps> oh, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I was going to the other room to grab a light bulb because as soon as my mind wandered there, I just got kind of lost in that abyss. What if? So I'm glad that they got it right, and there's a sense of justice uh, being served. Yeah, I just want to point out uh, Angela Cherie from the Ever Evolving Podcast is uh, joining in. Says uh, he was really confused when he got those guilty. He looked shell shocked, right? Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, Gianni Storm, what were your feelings? What, what were your initial feelings? When when I heard the news, I was actually on Instagram Live with Olivia and you. Yeah, <laughs> and um. And it was, I was, I wanted to be surprised, but I wasn't because I felt like this was something everybody saw, right? This was something that I felt like the if it weren't for uh, physical video evidence and all of those witnesses, I think we would be speaking about a different trial. But I, I felt like this is supposed to happen. This is justice. Okay, finally they're honoring. Um, so that was my initial thought, and then. It, brought me to a bunch of other thoughts like because you know you get on the internet and you want to see other people's opinions and and what they think about it and a lot of people say things like are saying things like I can breathe now or something like that and a lot of people are are saying other things like um 
you know, is this really going to put a stop to things or because then somebody passed away right after by police, somebody was somebody else was killed. So um, but without being a Debbie Downer, I think that I think initially I felt relief. Yeah. I just felt like finally. And I, I just wanted to so because I was feeling the same way, but I don't know. It was weird for me, and I, I spoke to Robbie about this pre-show, but it was weird for me. I wasn't as, like, happy. I mean, I was happy that it, we, we had the right verdict, but I don't know that I had the same enthusiasm as, say, for example, when Trump was kicked out of office. I don't know. I felt a bigger sense of relief. <laughs> and part of this, part of it for me, I think, is because not, not, not a whole lot has completely changed yet. Because we're still seeing yeah. the videos. George Floyd happened a year ago, and we're getting videos like every day now that we're talking about on the show. We're seeing the same stuff going on, just, you know, maybe they didn't die this time, or they are dying as well. So, but I am glad they got it right. The only the relief that I did feel was, thank God, that, you know, because the country would have popped off. We've said it a few times on this show. There's no question, because, I mean, if you can't get a guilty, verdict from those videos, there was something wrong. And yeah, we, we would have had to say something about it. Lizzie? Um, like everyone, I was relieved, but I honestly, I wasn't surprised by the I verdict. Wasn't either. Especially given that um, it was less than 12 hours. Um, we heard that not only was it less than 12 hours, it was a unanimous decision and that the jury, no questions. They had no questions about anything that they saw, any testimony, any um, lack of testimony, anything that was presented to them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it made me think, okay, and given the makeup of the jury, there were six white people on the jury, four black people on the jury, and then two um, other persons of color. And so it was, a, and men and women on the jury. And so, given that it was diverse, given that it seemed like it didn't take them any time to figure out, to see what we all saw, um, I wasn't surprised. I was happy that, you know, in this case, there was some form of accountability. However, um, I don't, I'm not that optimistic for, you know, immediate change. I mean, this is one case that happened in Minnesota. We still have Dante after this. And just because there may be change within the Minnesota Police Department doesn't mean any, any change is going to happen in the other 49 states here. Each state is responsible for its own police department. And so this, again, speaks to, I think, um, a nationwide problem that isn't going to be solved overnight. It's not going to be solved by just one case. Um, I, I appreciate that the Floyd family could sleep a bit more comfortably last night. Um, of course, they don't get their loved one back at all, and nothing will ever change that. But at least, you know, they can take a breath of fresh air, if you will. But there's still a lot of work to be done because you still have a lot of people in law enforcement who mm -hmm. don't that, you know, Derek Chauvin did anything wrong. Yeah. You still have in law, a lot of people in law enforcement or people who support Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter or people who are racist, part of, you know, the Proud Boys or white supremacists who think that, you know, George Floyd got what he deserved. 
or that, you know, if we all, not we all, but if black people just comply. So um, I'm happy for this case. I'm happy for this case. I'm happy for the people of Minnesota because, you know, I have friends who are in Minnesota and everyone was on edge there, not just the black community. Everyone was on edge there thinking about what if he gets off Bless because him. we all know what would have happened. Oh yeah, there's no would question. Have chaos. So I'm happy at least for the people of Minnesota that for one night, at least, they got a little bit of comfort. Yeah. At least one night. Um, but we still have a, we we still have a lot of work to do. A lot. We still of have work. a lot of work to do. When choosing um, the jury, did the jury uh, members have to be people that didn't know about George Floyd and didn't know about they the tried. case at all? Or was they tried it? to find people okay. like that. I mean, as best they could, like, you know, this was a nationwide story, so it was almost impossible to find someone who didn't have any, you know, prior knowledge of it. And the fact that they still had, you know, the trial in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, suggests that, you know, they knew no matter where they took this, there would still be people who were aware of what happened that day. Yeah. Um, now, Lizzie, think- this was an this was an international story because I mean, when everything happened, I mean, this there were protests all around the world. That there was outcry yeah. all around the world about what was happening. So I'm sure that there's a lot of relief. There, there's that sigh of relief around the world today, also. Yeah. Um, so let's get to some of these comments online real quick. Uh, there's a bunch actually just came in. So. Jacqueline Robinson said, my stomach flipped and my heart pounded. I figured there was a hung jury, but I was still stressed until the verdict was read. Ernest Cooper said, it's sad we're grateful for the crumbs. It should never have been a guess for us. True. George Fournier, as a lawyer, a short jury deliberation is almost always indicative of a guilty verdict, but I was shocked he was found guilty on all three counts. This was a pleasant surprise. Ernest Cooper said, and not bail. closure and accountability. Justice should be systemic. Um, mm-hmm. Sherry Blaine Priest, that was a short deliberation and justice was served and we need to be sure there is change coming. We need to keep everyone accountable. And then my dad had a comment. Uh, Nobody is born racist. Racism is taught. Uh, proof goes to delivery room at any hospital. Therefore, education is the true solution to a racial problem. There's no quick fix for, fix for racism. Uh, it's not an American problem. It's a worldwide problem. Education yeah. is the answer. You know, one thing that I think was key um, for the jurors in this being a quick, very quick deliberation was the number of uh, Derek Chauvin's fellow police officers who testified mm-hmm. that this is not how we were trained. Even if they weren't testifying um, truthfully, even if they were testifying because they knew what the consequences were of him getting off. The fact that you had people on the stand who were fellow police officers who were saying, this is not how we do it. Nine minutes, almost nine and a half, 10 minutes on someone's neck like that is unacceptable. And it's not, you know, something that we would assume that any person would survive. And I think that carried a lot of weight with the jury. I think if it if those people had not testified, if it had just been, you know, um, his girlfriend or a couple of people that were bystanders, witnesses, 
I think it wouldn't have weighed as heavy. But these were fellow blue officers who were just like, nah, man, nah, we, we, we can't be down for this. Yeah. And I think that heavily. I think that weighed heavily. That makes me ask the question, what do you guys think was kind of like that? I know everything throughout the trial um, that the prosecution, that the prosecutors had, had brought um, kind of won the, well, not won, but found him guilty. But what do you guys think was the ice cake? Was it the medical exam? Was it the fact that his fellow police officer testified? Was it the bystanders? What do, you, do you guys think that anything was a little bit more helpful in that or all of that I think together? It came down to the video. I mean, I think the video, because we, because very rarely do we see someone have um, the life need out of them. Normally, yeah. you know, we see hear stories about police brutality, deaths as a result of police brutality, murders, you know, criminal murders, et cetera. But very rarely do we see it like that, broken down like that step by step by step but also i think yeah. in addition to the police testimony um gianni i think um the emt officer who was standing there begging them to let her help him and saying you know this is not how we do things begging chauvin to get his knee off of him begging him to check his pulse and to have her testify and hold true and be steadfast in what she saw um i think that weighed a lot I think that weighed a lot with yeah. the jury. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there were, there's a couple of things that have um, come out of that. So we, we had the Maxine Waters issue, obviously. Um, I know, Lizzie, you, you can probably go into that better than I can. <laughs> but uh, we had Maxine <laughs> Waters so that they're trying to basically pull a Trump. Um, can you and, explain and, kind of what happened with that? Um. So Maxine Waters, you know, she is um, a member of Congress. We like to call her Auntie Maxine. Um, and, you know, normally she, she is very, um, very witty and very on point with her um, when she's calling out injustice. I think she missed the mark on this particular moment because um, this was, this was once the jury um, got the case, so they were deliberating. And she made a comment about um, how that they should stay in, protesters should stay in the street, which is fine. You know, you want to keep, encourage people, you know, to protest. But then she said that if uh, Derek, wanting to call him George, if Derek Chauvin was acquitted, that they should be, they should be confrontational, that they should not only, protest but they should be confrontational and i'm just like whoa 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 that mm -hmm. is along the lines of the rhetoric that donald trump it was speaking. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's one thing if the four of us are saying that mm -hmm. we're elected officials right we don't have a huge national public platform the people aren't looking to us um to set an example but you can't be a member of Congress. You can't be the president, the leader of the free world, and encouraging people that listen to you to go to the Capitol. To um, he didn't say storm the Capitol, and that's another thing because people were kind of you know going back and forth about what Trump's exact words were. Um, he he did use the word fight, and he did 
tell them to go to the Capitol, but it's a matter of semantics. Mm -hmm. And we all know what he meant. We all know what Maxine Waters meant. And so you got to be careful with the language that you use. And the same way that as a politician, he censured. I think she should be censored too. Unfortunately, absolutely. It didn't happen because uh, the, the Democrats blocked the, uh, the Republicans did try to censor her, but uh, the Democrats blocked it. But I agree. I, I would have supported a censure of, um, of Maxine Waters because even if she made a mistake, it's okay. You, you made a mistake. You, you need to be held accountable for your mistake. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, did she you're... say that if the verdict was um, not guilty for people to storm the Capitol. Well, not those words. Well, she but said that to was be more confrontational was her exact To be more confrontational. And again, if you look up the, the word, again, it's semantics. People want to break down. Well, she didn't exactly say go fight. Well, but look up what confrontation, confrontational means. It's an aggressive form of dealing with someone. You're telling someone not to just go and protest. You're saying, get up in their face, confront them. Well, what do you think is going to happen if you as a protester goes and confronts police officers? They're going to get an equal and and appropriate response. There's going to be a clash. And think about this. We are coming off of the heels the week before the jury deliberated on this particular case. There was a lot of civil unrest. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say riots, but a lot of civil unrest and violence in Minnesota as a result of the Dante Wright murder. Yep. So you're already talking about a community that is on edge. It was not the right choice of words. It was, it was not the right rhetoric at all. Point blank, period. I want to say Mike Winter said not exactly pulling a Trump in this context. Insightful speech that certainly could have been better, but nowhere near context of Trump. And the other violent rhetoric in which Trump spoke, I will say, but I will it is agree. In the I will agree. I agree in the sense that Trump was doing it a lot leading up to it. I mean, Trump was doing it over months of a period of time. It wasn't like a random comment. It was Trump had been making these comments and meeting with the Proud Boys and things like that, and he'd been making these comments for months and just before. The, the rally, I mean, just before the storming of the Capitol, he held that rally where he was relatively clear. So it is very different. I, I'd agree with that in the sense that it's different like that. Robert, do you have any other thoughts? No, it's, uh, I, I mean, for, for me, as, as a Caucasian Canadian, it's um, culturally, I can't connect with it, but I'm, I felt I felt relief. I really, really did. And it's, I guess for me, the question is how, as, as African-Americans, culturally, how did the verdict resound with you? Like, what are the implications in, in that light? Um, or, you know, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I think um, the population, the black population in this country is what, 13%? 13%. Um, and so one out of 13, one case out of 13%. That's how I felt. Like, I think this case is very specific. I don't think mm-hmm. it is a symbol of anything else beyond 
uh, Derek Chauvin being convicted and found guilty. I think everything else outside of that is an individual case on its own, especially since, you know, there's no national law in this country of how police departments conduct itself. Yeah. And so... And it's um, not over. I mean, he still no, has to be sentenced. He still has to be sentenced. Although he, he I... He receive a light sentence and then, you know, shit hits the fan I'm then. not sure the, man, the mandatory sentencing guidelines are in Minnesota for those um, particular crimes. Charges, yeah. um, I do think he will serve some time in jail. Oh, it's, okay. um, yeah. But I, I don't think this bearing, this case is going to be a catalyst for much outside of Minnesota. That's how I feel about it. Um, especially since we are, when you think about, you know, all, everything that we're learning about the law enforcement officers that participated in the insurrection on January 6th, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go. Yeah, it was something similar to what Van Jones and uh, your boy, Don Lemon, were talking about. There's still a lot more to be done. Don Lemon said something yeah. recently, right, Lizzie? I'm sorry, say again? Don Lemon said something controversial recently, didn't he? Don Le no, so my issue with Don Lemon was that he was comparing this moment, you know, when people were waiting for black people verdict what was going to be the outcome of the verdict and then when the verdict was announced and you know the jubilation with that he was comparing that moment to the oj simpson verdict which i just you know found to be absolutely <laughs> asinine rude obnoxious and offensive oj simpson whether oj simpson was found guilty or innocent that had no reflection on the plight of black people in this country and their relationship to being governed by police and their relationship to police brutality. OJ Simpson was a citizen who was married to, at one point to Nicole Brown. He was um, an abusive husband, a lying, cheating husband. And a lot of black people think, thought that he was guilty. A lot of black people think, including myself, think that he got off. So to have this idea that we were all celebrating in the streets and that him being found not guilty had a bearing on our lives. It's just offensive and it's just not true. Yeah. So for him to make that connection, I'm like, you need to put that pipe down. I know it's 420. <laughs> 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 All day, Don Lemon, but let's not go there. It's offensive to not only myself, but to the Floyd family. Like they have nothing to do with OJ Simpson. Yeah, Absolutely. it does kind of belittle the situation. I can see how it's offensive. That, yeah, that's George Foyer said, I, I don't think it's appropriate for politicians to have spoken about the case or its verdict, not even Biden. Um, uh, Jacqueline Robinson said, Auntie Maxine should have chosen her words better. It would have been hypocritical to censor her under the circumstances. Kevin McCarthy, that's true, has several insurrectionist nutbags he refuses to do anything about. That, that's true. There are a bunch of, <laughs> yeah, that's true. There, there's a lot of, uh, Republican in Republicans in Congress that should have been censored if you're censoring her. But let's not just deflect, you know, just because Republicans said it over here that, you know, we should not, Doesn't you know, and not wrong. Like, let, let's call a spade a spade. Yep. Okay, maybe he didn't say fight. I'm in agreement. Like, however, she did say be confrontational. That is not acceptable for an elected official. I agree. Again, 
point blank period. I actually agree with you. I mean, it's not the same, but it is still, you know, it's it's not, not acceptable. And I know, she's in her 80s. I know she's in her 80s and we all love her, but Auntie Maxine is not above She's not above reproach. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Mike Wolf says the other officers who were there get tried in August. We'll see what happens to them. Now, I, my question to you guys is, I mean, let's say, well, first off, they're not as likely to be convicted. What are their, I don't know. I don't, don't think I specifically know what their charges are. I don't know that they have their full set of charges. I know they've been charged with something, but I don't, I don't know that they have their full set. I don't know. I don't know what their charges are. Um, but, I mean, I see dereliction of duty. Um, I could see depraved indifference. Um, negligence. I mean, but I could see them getting off. And would that me too? Would that affect you think um, protests? Do you think uh, the same way that Chauvin would? I mean, do you think that we'll see protests or riots or anything like that if the other three I, officers get off? I think it depends on what's going on in the country and what what's going on in Minnesota. Like, you know, when 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 are the when is the officer who was responsible for Dante Wright? When is her trial coming up or when is her um when is she going to be put before a judge? Like it just depends on the climate of what's happening in Minnesota. Do I think those officers need to be charged with murder? Mm-hmm. Um no. Definitely depraved indifference, possibly manslaughter. And dereliction Accessory. of duty. Accessory. Accessory after the fact. Those things. Um, and those are easier to convict on. They are. They can. Those are easier charges to convict on. Um, but they didn't have the knee to the neck. So. Um, I feel like if, if I, Chauvin had more charges, I think they would have convicted him. <laughs> I will I mean, say, though, like, let's yeah. say you know, through, you know, appeals process and, you know, through a lot of bureaucratic crap that their um, trials get extended or they may take plea. They may be offered a plea. Yeah. You know, that that's something else that could be on the table. I have a feeling for these. they're still avoiding pleas right now. I mean, they got the main guy they wanted to get. Um, so I, I don't think they have anything to offer unless they have something on like other cops in Minnesota. Um, all right. Any other final thoughts before we move on? I have a final thought. Um, I would say even with everything that we saw uh, within the past 24 hours as it relates to um, Derek Chauvin and um, having some level of accountability um, for George Floyd's murder, I think we need to be careful in how quick we are to jump to um, this was police brutality or this was an immediate instance of a cop shooting um, an innocent black person or innocent person in general um, because not every case is like that mm-hmm. and yeah it's very difficult to um, call something out within hours of an incident happening and say okay this cop should be vilified for xyz and then you start to see you get the footage and then you start to get the real story and it's like, oh, okay, so this is really what happened. So I think we just have to be care. Everyone take a deep breath. That's true. Because it actually and, starts to diminish the efforts that we put exactly. into, you know, bringing light to these things. So if we're, 
if we're sitting up there, every, every single little thing that happens, we're making a big deal about it. And we're saying, hey, you see this, you see that before we actually get the story. Right. It, it diminishes the value of the fight. Because when we find out. Uh, are there that examples that are there specific things you guys are talking I, about? I think the situation in Ohio is a perfect example of that. Um, because the initial story came out that a cop shot. The initial story was that a cop shot and killed an unarmed teenage girl in Ohio. And now that we are starting to see, we saw the video footage, we're starting to hear more of what's coming out. None of that is true. She wasn't unarmed. She had a knife in her hand. She was about to stab someone mm -hmm. in the upper torso with that knife. So did you hear about that, we, Yanni, Robbie? Yeah, I heard it's, about that. But I did hear all of the details as well. And I thought that it was wrongful um it was wrong on the police's part but we can we got to bring this up again when we get more detail. no i mean what, what, did you, what were you saying what did you think was wrong was it was wrong of it Johnny? um i think that from hearing the the mother's testimony of the little girl um, that was killed by the police i think that there was a miscommunication because the girl had a knife in her hand so it was um, she was being jumped by people, from what I remember, um, and she she looked like the aggressor, and so that's that, I kind of like I said I don't have all the details. Yeah, that made right. One, this young lady was in foster care, so she wasn't even in the care. She wasn't living with either her mother or her father. Um, but if you look at this the slow motion version of the body cam, you will see that she was from what that shows when the cop from the cop's perspective when he arrived she he was sir he arrived to the scene where she was on the ground with another male i don't know who that male was but she and another male were on the ground seemingly attacking someone else a young lady and then the cop is saying get down get down and she turns around to another bystander who's holding a dog and that bystander did not appear, and I could be wrong because I didn't see before his body cam came on. But from that moment that he saw, the bystander in pink is a young lady that has on pink and she's holding a dog. She's not a part of any of the fracas. The victim turns around, pushes her up against a car, and is about to stab her. And that's when he shoots. And so mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot that goes into it's a lot actually yeah you know, like another example is that that deandre um deandre with the arts army sergeant where the army sergeant was berating him now he certainly was racist in his his berating of uh of the child but oh yeah walking in the morning. when i'm hearing more i'm getting more of the story beforehand um apparently uh deandre the child was actually put into an um an he was institutionalized immediately following um, the incident. So there are reports that he had attacked. An yeah, you did say that, Liz. And something, and and another child or something. I'm not sure. Like I don't know anything, and I don't think we would have been able to see any attack on his part. No. Um, based on There's when. No video. Yeah, based on when it it started to be recorded, mm -hmm. there was something about his um demeanor that seemed a little off, off. to me. Yep. Um. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me, at least that they did an evaluation 
yeah. to see if this young man yeah. was okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that doesn't justify. That does not justify. He still had a racist rant, and he was that, the that way he handled it. He assaulted him. Pentland got what he deserved for the way he handled the situation. But the point is, you know, when certain things start to come out, then it suddenly starts to diminish the actual. And it's understandable fight. because we're all on edge. We, we are, are all edge. on yeah. edge. We've yep. seen this time and time yeah. again. Um, so, yeah. All right. So, yeah. Well, this was a tough, hot topic. Very tough, hot topic. So I know, uh, but, you know, we had good resolution. You know, I was talking unscripted yesterday and I was like, you know, there was three major things that happened in 2021. One, we had COVID, then we had Trump, the election going on, and we had um, this George Floyd case. And we have two great resolutions so far. Um, you know, got rid of Trump, you know, <laughs> Chauvin's in jail, uh, hopefully forever. I mean, and then, you know, we got COVID getting better. Well, maybe we can say goodbye to 2021 and then, you know, some good things happen and some positive. So, all right, <laughs> let's move on. Good hot topic. And thank you for interacting with us online, guys. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right. So we got deep today. We had a couple of good things happening. Let's get some uh, game show in so we can uh, have a little shenanigans. Today's game is five second guess. We'll go around to each of you and give you a category such as name three things that smell good. You'll have five seconds to answer and you get a point if you can name three things. And I'll be the judge if they actually make any sense. Person with the most points wins and gets the final thought for the show. So everybody ready to play? Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to go with the adult version. Let's see. <laughs> All right. We are starting with Lizzie today. So, Lizzie, are you ready? All right. Name three stores you'd like to steal from. Go. Gucci <laughs> Chanel and Whole Foods. Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. Rob's turn. Name three celebrities who shouldn't be celebrities. Go. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Tony Danza. Tony Danza? <laughs> <laughs> Tony's got one character. That one one character. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. That was a little iffy. All right, Johnny, you ready? All right, yeah. name three places where people dance. Go. Um, the club, church, and birthday party. Okay. Did you say church? Church? <laughs> church. I've seen some yeah. dancing in church. <laughs> See, I don't know. I grew up in a, a, a Roman, a strict Roman Catholic tradition with really, <laughs> everyone kind of looked like me. We sat down and we were pious. We were quiet. All right, no dancing? Just I, your hand. That's awesome. <laughs> Good job, Gianni. All right, so it's tied up. Let's go. Lizzie, name three things you hate being rushed. Go. Using the bathroom, getting out of the house in the morning, and... Oh, time, time. <laughs> I agree to both of those. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. All right, failed it, sorry. All right, Rob, name three ways to seduce someone. 
<laughs> Cook for them. Buy, buy them something nice. Sing for them. Sing. Oh, nice. I like those. That's good. It. Very nice. All right, Gianni. Name three people who should never twerk. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Um, you should just name Donald Trump. Trump. <laughs> um, Don- <laughs> <laughs> you could have said so Neo, Lizzie, and Robbie. Well, I- <laughs> Listen, I'll get smart. Same. Okay, drop it. Trust me. I believe it. I believe it. Lisa, don't <laughs> add me in that. <laughs> I, that's that's a good one, Gianni, because I would never want to see that. I would never. <laughs> a Donald. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Robbie is in the lead. All right, let's go next round. Lizzie, name three reasons to apologize. Go. Um, for bad sex, for offending someone, and for <laughs> who apologizes for that. And that could have been one of your answers for the rushing thing. Three things she's about to rush. Yeah. Sex. Don't rush that. <laughs> so, so you want an apology for bad sex? I know that's so awkward. <laughs> that's <laughs> awkward. <laughs> now we waste my time. All right, <laughs> nailed it. All right, Robbie, name three things you do while no one is looking. <laughs> oh, man. Go. Pick your nose. Wendy. Scratch a scab. Failed it. Failed it. So you pick your nose while no one's looking. Good to know, Ravi. You got to. Everyone picks their nose when no one's looking. Everyone picks it. People pick their nose when Even they're while the people next are to you. Yeah. All the glass on your car makes you invisible at the at the stop sign or the red light. Oh, this is a tough one, Johnny. Oh, man. Get, we might get it. Let's see. Name three songs about sex. Go. Um, birthday sex. Um Let's get it on. Um, Time. Oh. First, birthday sex. There's a song called Birthday Sex by, by Jeremiah. Man, you are by so, Jeremiah. We can't. We can't I even talk to you about music. Who is Jeremiah? <laughs> you still in the seventies and eighties with, with your music, boy. <laughs> Jeremiah. I failed it. Yeah, all right. Did. So Lizzie and Rob. All right, last round. So it's between. I'm sorry, Johnny. You're out. You're out of it, Johnny. All right, Lizzie and Robbie, let's go, Lizzie. Name three reasons to have a drink. Go. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) I'm going to give you that. Nailed it. All right, Robbie. Name three places to buy lingerie. Oh, my God. La Via Rose, La Senza, Uh, not Walmart. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I said not. Walmart? I said not Walmart. Not Walmart. We're going to do one more, one more, and then uh, one more round. And let's go. Okay. It says Johnny's turn, but it's Robbie's. I mean, Lizzie's turn. All right. Name three times, three times that slow is better. Go. Drinking my cocktail, kissing, and saying goodbye to someone. All right. Aww. Oh, that was good. I like that. That was sweet. All right. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. So, Robbie, this is your last one. If you 
lose it with Lizzie wins, and then if you get it, I'll just pick. Liz, <laughs> name, <laughs> name three places to wear piercings. Is a rocker. Nose, ear, and your privates. <laughs> privates. All right. <laughs> All right, nailed it, nailed it. All right, I'm picking the winner. I think I picked Lizzie the last time. I'm going with Robbie. Robbie, you know, so good job, Robbie. Good job, Rob. <laughs>
shenanigans.